Everybody. Hey, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central. If you're a guest with us, man, I'm, I'm pumped that you're here today. We got to witness baptism, and that is always the highlight of the service. And so it's, I'm so glad to be up here with these waters. I'm always scared I'm going to kind of fall in a little bit. Uh, but uh, if that happens, that'd be great um, for TV. And so, hey, thank you for everyone that's, that's watching online right now. It, whether you're online or you're in this room, if you'd like to follow along with today's message, there's QR codes on the screen if you're in this room. I'm online, you can click on the link and you can follow along with the message um, as we jump into uh, this series we've been going through called Base Camp. And so you've seen a little quick video that, that talked uh, about uh, Base Camp. And so we're going to be in the, the book of Genesis this morning. So begin your Bible, if you want to turn there digitally or if you have a hard copy, you can jump to Genesis uh, chapter 3 um, for this morning. But to get started, let me ask you this question. What, is, what are some of the greatest inventions of all time? Anybody? Air conditioning. air conditioning. Okay, yeah. I mean, air conditioning would be one of those. That's pretty good. That ranks up there. Life would be pretty difficult without that. What about, okay, the wheel? Okay, so imagine without the wheel, what would life be like with, without that? It would be, getting to church would be a little bit different, wouldn't it? We'd have to have a whole lot of, like, posts out there for all the horses. We'd, we'd be um, riding to church. Um, so I'm glad we have the wheel. That's, that's important. Anything else? What'd you say? I thought you said cotton candy. I was like, yes, amen. Okay, the cotton gin, that's a good one. What was that? Sliced bread. Sliced bread, okay, yeah. We're, we're getting into food in here. Okay, um, what about electricity? I mean, that's pretty important. Without electricity, it's not really an invention. It's more like a discovery. But, but, you know, I mean, without electricity, life would be pretty difficult. I was thinking about this. What about in modern times? What about the microchip? Like, your phone... The things that are in your purse right now, the things that are in your back pocket, everything you see up on the stage, everything behind the scenes going on right now involves a microchip. Your car, when you, when you go home here in just a little bit, there's a bunch of those in there. And without that, life would, as we know it, would be completely and utterly different. But I think there's one thing that is probably one of the greatest inventions of all time, and it's clothing. Amen? Anybody? Okay. I mean, imagine what life would be like without clothing. It would be, it'd be way different right now um, if I would not be on stage, right? If we had, didn't have clothing, I mean, it's really important. In fact, it's so important that we've been going through these base camps, and base camps are like, like parts of the, your mountain journey where you stop and refresh, and it's really important to stop, and if you, if you miss it, like things, the next part of your journey will not go very well, and, and we, we started off with with uh, creation as week number one. And we talked about how important that is to understand that God created everything and, and how what you believe about the beginning of the Bible really affects the rest of your life. Well, last week we talked about sin as like base camp number, number two. And what you believe about sin is really important. And we talked about, if you missed it, we had this, this, uh, these jars up on stage and I dropped a jar. Actually, we didn't vacuum. There's still pieces up here. Okay, anyways. Um, so there was a jar, we dropped it and it shattered um, all over the place. And it was an example of how sin um, is, it breaks you. Like you are, you are broken. That's what the Bible has to say. And at the very beginning, Adam and Eve were broken when sin entered into the world. And so God says, hey, here's what's gonna happen. For the rest of your life, you're gonna struggle against Satan and evil. It's just gonna be this battle that goes on. And for ladies in this room, the beauty and wonder of childbirth will actually be full of pain. And you know what? Your relationships with one another are always gonna be messed up and have problems. And for all of us, 
The rest of our lives, we will struggle to get food and things to survive in this life. And if you think about it, that is so true. How, think about how much time you spend chasing after the next dollar, right? How much time you spend at work? How much time you spend trying to get the next thing? We spend our entire lives trying to survive. And that's not how it was at the beginning. God wanted us to be in perfect community with him where that, those things were just provided for us and we didn't have to. But because of sin in this world, everything is broken. And we spend our lives going through difficulty and strife and struggles. And that is an important thing to understand. It is our, it's our second base camp. But God didn't leave Adam and Eve alone. He didn't leave them like that. He actually stepped in and helped them a little bit. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. We'll put all the, the verses up here on the screen. The Bible says, then the man, Adam, he named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And then verse 21 is kind of like our verse for today. And here's what it says. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. In fact, I think this is so important that I would say clothing in some kind of unique way is base camp number three. It's an important aspect to this journey that we're on. Now, earlier in this, this story, when Adam and Eve sinned, like shame came into the picture, you know? And so they, they all of a sudden, they, they recognized, what did they recognize? They were naked, right? Okay. So it's not really about being naked or not. It's that there was shame now in their life. And so the Bible says that they just plucked some leaves off of the plants. And I don't know how they put them together, but they made clothing for themselves made out of leaves. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want what they're selling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to be caught wearing, like, clothes made out of leaves because that's, that's temporary, isn't it? I mean, it's going to go bad. Those leaves, as soon as you pluck them off of the, the branch, they're, they're already starting to die. They're going to, to eventually fall off, and they don't actually produce very much protect, protection at all. No one wants leaves for clothes. But God steps in in the middle of this story, and he gives them something that's, that's more permanent, something that actually will provide insulation for them, protection for them, something that will last maybe even their entire life. It's something that, that they actually need. He provides something that's more more serious and more permanent. And here's what it says. He gives them clothing made out of animal skins. And my first question is this, where did he get those? I mean, it's like fur clothing. I mean, Jesus or God, God gives, gives a man these, this fur clothing. They put this clothing on, and I'm wondering, where in the world did they get those from? Where did that come from? Well, it came from an animal. It came from an animal. So track with me. Man sins, right? And sin enters the world, and it just destroys the world. And everything in this world is just, just gone, and, and it's devastated. For the rest of mankind, everything is, is broken, like we talked about last week. And honestly, that's so true. Did you know that right now, there's not just one war that's going on around the world. There's actually 40 wars, 4-0, 40 wars going on right now. And every year, there's about 400 Natural disasters that happen. That's a lot. That's, that's, I mean, I can do the math. I'm, I'm an Aggie, okay? That's a little more than one a day, okay? One natural disaster averaging a day here on this, this planet. Do you know that they estimate that about 400,000 murders happen every single year in this, in this world? You got 40, 400, 400,000. It's 
kind of crazy how that works out that way. But sin is devastating. And we live in a, in a broken world, and it's, it's everywhere. And what we try to do is we try to rationalize it, don't we? We try to, we try to bury it. We try to hide our sin. We try to, to fix it by covering up with, with temporary things like, like leaves, okay? And that's what Adam and Eve did at the very beginning. But God stepped in, and he, he created a better sacrifice, a better covering over, which was made out of animal skins. Where did he get the, the animal skins? Well, it was from a sacrifice. This is what's crazy. At the very beginning of the Bible, it wasn't Noah or even Adam or Abraham or, or King David that, that had the very first sacrifice. It was God. God had to kill an animal to provide that very first sacrifice. I don't know if this opens your eyes to this, but sin is very costly. I mean, for Adam and Eve, plucking leaves off is not that costly. But when you got to kill a perfect animal to cover over your sin, that produces a great cost for your sin. If you're writing down any notes, you could, you could write this down. That the cost of sin goes way beyond I'm sorry. You know, it's easy for us to say, I'm sorry. We mess up, we do something wrong. It's easy in a relationship to say, you know, I'm sorry. And it's easy in a relationship with God to say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And even though God, he loves us enough to do that, sin is costly because there is a, a payment that is needed for that sin. And that payment, what it does is it, it, makes, it makes things right. It puts things back on track in a relationship between a holy God and a sinful you. And that cost is really high. And what's, what's interesting is that God always requires a sacrifice for every single one of our sins. And in the Old Testament, what he did is he, he set up this system to sacrifice animals. And so the Old Testament in a nutshell is over and over again them sacrificing animals to cover over their sins in a temporary fashion. In fact, the main verse in the Bible that kind of puts us all into, into place, is found in Leviticus. It's not a book of the Bible we look at very often, but look in the book of Leviticus here on the screen in verse 17. The Bible says this, for the life of the body is in its blood. I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. It says the life of something is in its blood, and I require that blood as payment for sin. Now, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, as a Christian, if you've been a part of, you know, church all the time, you've been to PBS 800 times, you know, you, you know everything about, about the, the Christian life, this kind of makes sense. But if you're an outsider looking in, and maybe you're sitting here today for the first time, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's kind of weird that you'd be talking about blood here in a church service. But honestly, in the Old Testament, that is what it's all about. It's all about sacrificing over and over again to pay for your sins. I mean, think about it. In the Old Testament, you got times like the, the Passover lamb. Okay, you've heard about the Passover lamb when they're, the people are in Egypt. And God says, hey, here's what I want you to do. All the Israelites, you need to go sacrifice an animal. You're going to drain its blood into a bowl. This is getting kind of creepy, okay? You're going to drain its bowl, or drain it, the blood in the bowl. And then you're going to take like a paintbrush kind of a thing, and you're going to put it over your, your doorpost. And it's going to protect you from, from death, okay, in this, this plague. That's, that's weird. Okay, 
Honestly, that, that is weird. From, from an outsider's perspective that, perspective, that is weird. But that's what the Old Testament is all about. And God commanded the people to sacrifice over and over again to cover over their sins. In fact, the priests, that was their main job, okay? Their main job was not to, to preach and do all those other things. The main job was to actually provide for these sacrifices. And people would bring these sacrifices in all the time, and they would sacrifice over and over and over again. And God commanded the people of Israel to sacrifice a certain way. And in fact, it wasn't like... You could just bring any animal, you know? You couldn't just bring a, like an animal off the, the road, like a stray, okay? Which would be, that'd be awesome, you know? Like, I don't care about that animal. Let's just bring that animal. No, you had to bring, like, your pet, okay? You had to bring something that, that you had skin in the game, okay? It was something that, that meant something to you. And so that was the requirement. And, and not only that, but you had to be the one that actually participated in that sacrifice. You had to watch that happen. And that changed for the people of Israel. It changed their perspective on sin, didn't it? Because all of a sudden, sin is not just this flippant thing, but it's a very serious thing. Because every time you sin, you realize, I'm killing my pet, okay, because of my sin. And so you're like, do I want to sin? Do I want to do that? I love my dogs. I don't want, you know, I don't want them to, you know. So, so like, sin becomes a serious thing in their lives. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 says. Hebrews chapter 9 says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness of sins. Now, Hebrews is a great Bible, a book of the Bible. So if you want to know, like, how the Old Testament and the New Testament kind of fit together, now the New Testament fulfills so much of the Old Testament, read Hebrews. Hebrews will help you to be able to do that. And that's what it's saying here. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is, this is the standard. And I was, asking, I was thinking about this. Why animals? Like, God, why did you, why'd you set it up to where animals were the ones that had to be sacrificed? I mean, why? Or maybe the other question is, what did they do wrong? And the answer is nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. And that is the point. That's what makes them a worthy sacrifice. If these animals had sin in their life, then their sacrifice would be paid for their own sin. But since they were blameless and they were spotless animals and they didn't have sin in their lives, all of a sudden their death acted as a substitute for everybody else. And that is the purpose of these animals. Now, here's the, the problem. The Bible says over and over again that these were temporary things. It was, they would cover over, I'm not sure for how long, but there was like a temporary covering over of your sins. And throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, there's like this longing for something permanent and real and something they don't, they, they don't have to keep doing this over and over and over again. And throughout the Old Testament, there's all these prophecies. In fact, there's over 300 prophecies about a Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to change everything. And a lot of the things that it says about the Messiah is that he is going to come and fix what is broken, and eventually he will die on their behalf. And he will pay for their sins. And just like the animals did nothing wrong, Jesus came into this earth, lived a perfect life. That makes sense how he had to live a perfect life. Because if he didn't live a perfect life, then he would be dying for his own sin. Because he had no sin in his life, Jesus comes and he dies on the cross for us, for you, for me, so that he can pay for our sins. He can become a, a worthy substitute for our sins. You know, John the Baptist recognized that. He, the Bible says he saw Jesus from afar and he looked at his, his people that were following him and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when the Bible says sins of the world, what it's talking about is you and your sin. 
and me and my sin. And here's something else we need to remember today, that God's plan for you was always Jesus. His plan for you with dealing with your sin has always been Jesus. Just, and just like the people in the Old Testament, our sacrifices, they always seem pretty weak and pretty temporary, like these, these leaves that try to cover over the things wrong in our lives. And they never satisfy or fulfill us. But Jesus' sacrifice, the Bible says, is enough. Look what the Bible says here. Hebrews chapter 10. Under the old covenant, the priests stand and minister before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, and when it says high priest, he's talking about Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Man, that's pretty awesome. What it's saying here is that one sacrifice fixes everything and pays for all sins, for all people, for all time. And it goes on and says this in verse 18. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I don't know if you kind of get this, but if that isn't true, then how we do church would be way different, okay? So... People would come in here to church not to worship and hear a sermon and, and to do those things, but you would actually come to church to pay for your sins, like every week. And you'd be bringing animals in here. This would be like a slaughterhouse, and it would smell. There'd be blood all over the place. We would not be able to have these carpet, okay? It would not work out. Um, we'd have to have drains in this place. I mean, it would, it would stink, and it would be nasty. And my job and all the rest of the staff job would not be to do the things we do. It would actually be to to provide that sacrifice. I mean, we would be experts at doing that. And you'd be bringing in animals after animals all the time to pay for your sins. Does that sound like a good, good idea? No, that's, that's, that would be rough. That'd be gross. That would change things though, wouldn't it? But the Bible says that Jesus, he comes and he sacrifices himself so you don't have to do that anymore. And in Genesis a sacrifice is made, God makes that first sacrifice to cover over their shame, to cover over their sin. And that's what Jesus' sacrifice does. It covers over your sin, and it, it washes your sin clean. But there's something else that Jesus' sacrifice does, and I think this is, this is pretty important. Look what Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says. The Bible says, but God showed his great love for us, You've heard this before, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God, said, God, God shows his, his great love for us by doing something for us, by sending Jesus, okay, while we were still sinners, to die for us. And another way to think about this, an, an alternate reading, would be something like this, that God shows just how much you cost by paying for you with his son. You know, a couple years ago when, when the pandemic started, economists got together and government officials got together and said, is it worth it to shut down the economy? You know, at the beginning it was going, hey, hey just two weeks, guys. Just give us two weeks. You know, you'll, you'll be okay after two weeks. And like two years later, we're still doing this stuff, you know. And so it's kind of crazy. But they, they got together and they said, is, is it worth it to shut down the economy? Because when you shut down the economy, when you tell everybody to stay home, businesses are closed, everything shuts down, then there's a, there's a cost to that. And they said, is it worth it to shut down the economy? 
And so what they did is they said, you know what? Well, it's going to cost us this amount of trillions of dollars to shut down the economy. That's a, it's a lot of money, okay? We're still dealing with it today. But they said, you know what? Is it worth it if it saves this many lives? And so they looked at it and said, you would save this number of millions of lives if we do this. This is our estimate. And so they did some math and found out that every single one of you is worth something specific, a certain amount of money that made it worth it to, to shut down the economy. You know what that number is? It's $10 million, okay? Every single one of us is worth $10 million to the government pretty much, okay? So they said, hey, it's worth it to shut down the economy because it, it would save this many lives, and every life we believe is a worth about this much. It's kind of crazy, don't you think? But here's what this verse is saying. This is something we have to realize, that we have a price tag, don't we? Every single one of us has a price tag, and your cost is really steep. In fact, I would say that you are worth way more than $10 million. You know how much you're worth? You're worth Jesus' life. That's way more than $10 million. Now, to truly understand this, we, we kind of have to go back to a, a dark part of our history. I think it's important for us to talk a little bit about, about slavery. Slavery was a, a terrible time in our past. And from the 1500s to the 1800s, about... About 12 million people were sent over to the Americas in slavery. And we think that all of them were here in the United States, but they really weren't. I mean, the, the, the biggest number of them, about 5 million, actually went to, to South America. And the United States only took in about 450,000 of the 12 million. And that 450,000 over the last 150, last 200 years has turned into about 45 million American citizens who could say their ancestry goes all the way back to slaves that were here in this country. It's a terrible thing. It's an awful stain on our past. But you know what? It's not something that's just unique to the past. Slavery is still going on today. Do you know that there's 40 million people in slavery right now in this world? 40 million people. 25% are, are kids, okay? And about 60% are in forced labor some, some, somehow. There's sex trafficking, okay? There's other things going on. There's, there's forced marriages going on. And around the world, 40 million people are in slavery right now. And in fact, it's been something that's been going on for so long. About the last 5,000 years, slavery has been a part of almost every culture. Whether they enslaved people or slaves came from their culture. It's a terrible thing. But it's something that we can relate to, we can understand. Maybe the only way for me to really, like, illustrate this is uh, I need a volunteer. Anybody brave enough to come up here? I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. Anybody? Okay, Rob, get up here. Okay, Rob, get up here. All right, man, Rob, man, you got some good-looking shoes on today. Okay, All right, Rob, come on up here. So, Rob, um, I've got some uh, real handcuffs, okay? And uh, I'd like for you, I'm going to put these on you, okay? I'm not going to put them around. Have you done this before? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Someone checked. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, Rob, I'm going to put these not too tight. Is it? No. Okay. All right. So, can you get out of those? No. Yeah, good try. Okay. Those are, those are the real deal. Okay. Amazon Prime, baby. All right. Here we go. So, <laughs> seriously. So, Rob's in, in chains right now. He's handcuffed right now. I just want you to sit there for just a minute as I, uh, I'm going to finish my sermon. Is that cool with you? Okay. You need a drink or anything? You no. good? Okay. All right. So one day, Jesus was, uh, went back to his hometown in Nazareth. 
okay? Now, things didn't go very well in Nazareth very, very often for him. And so he goes, and he goes to like the Jewish church of the time, the synagogue, okay? So he, he shows up to church, right? And so he, instead of just sitting in the, in the chair or in the pew or whatever they had back then, he actually comes up on stage. I don't think they had a stage, but he comes up to where everybody's focused on, and he grabs not a, a bound Bible, but like the scroll of Isaiah. It's a big old scroll, and he opens it up, okay? And he stands in front of everybody, and he reads Isaiah chapter 61, and here's what he says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is a prophecy, okay, about the Messiah. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He does that. He rolls the scroll up. He goes and sits down. He says, hey, guys, that prophecy that I just read, that was about me, Okay. He claims that he is, he's claiming that he is the Messiah. It's like, it's like the ultimate mic drop moment, okay? He does this in his, in his home church, all right? And he does all that. He sits down and does that. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about like, hey, I am going to, I, I'm, I'm proclaiming now a law that all captives are released. All prisoners are set free. Everybody that's in like literal physical chains, you are, you're set free now. Is that what Jesus is talking about? It's not what he's talking about. What I think Jesus is talking about, he's talking about what sin does to you and what he's going to do about it. John chapter 8 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave to sin. It's not just like a pet in your life. It's not something that you just kind of carry around with you. The Bible says you are, you are literally a slave to it. And most people don't even realize that they're in chains. They look at Christianity and they say, you know what? I don't want any part of that because look at all these rules these Christians have to follow. They got to tithe. They got to go to church on Sundays. Who wants to go to church on Sundays? I want to sleep in. They, I don't want to do all these things. And that they think it and they look at it and go, man, that's just, that's like bondage. That's like someone telling me I have to do something. You know what? I'm American. I don't have to listen to anybody, okay? And so I'm going to do my own thing, all right? So I'm just going to do my own thing. And without realizing it, they're not free. They're actually a slave to the sinful ways. That's what the Bible says. It's not something you can just carry around with you. It becomes your, your master. Now, I want you to, I mean, let me explain this a little bit differently. This is maybe a terrible example, but because this is something that actually happened in the past. But when slaves would come over to, to the Americas, they'd be taken off of ships, and they'd actually be put up on platforms in front of people, okay? And an auction would happen. And the person that owned that slave had a price tag like, like this, okay? So, Rob, I'm going to put this around your, your bald head, okay? So Rob has a, oh, sorry, all right. So Rob has a, a price tag. I don't know how much, know how much you're worth, okay? But uh, yeah, you, okay. So, so there's an auction that starts. And we're like, hey, can I get any bidders here, okay? Okay, oh, I got one right there. All right, here we go. So $5, five, whatever. Okay, so you get these, these bidding happens. And it's set, we kind of laugh at it, but how devastating would that be for that person that's up there? Because there is no freedom in that. What's going to happen is you're going to become, go from one person's, being one person's slave and property to another person's slave, slave and property. And so let's just say that the Rob gets, gets purchased, okay, for five bucks right there. Okay, so, so Rob gets purchased. What do you think is going through his mind? He's just going from one thing to another. And yeah, he's going to move to a different life, but it's still going to be the same life. And his life is defined, his future is defined by bondage 
and slavery. But what if that person came up to him, instead of just grabbing him and, and dragging him off, okay, into slavery again, what if he takes this off him? I'm going to tear your glasses up. Oh, man, right in the nose. Okay. He takes this off of him. And then he takes, you have a key? Okay. I got one right here. Okay. Woo, that was a close one. All right. So let's just say he takes this. Uh-oh. Okay, there we go. He takes these chains off of him. And Rob's like, what is going on? I don't understand what's about to happen. Instead of saying, hey, you're mine now, he says, you're free. Just go. Like, how, how, how would you feel if you're in that position? Your life is completely changed. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I will set you free. Not just to cover over your sins, not just to wash you clean, where you're still living in that sin, and every, every day you like get washed clean by it. He says, I'm going to actually set you free from that. Let me show you what the Bible says in 1 Timothy. Thanks, thank Rob, for, for you can go have a drink down there. Okay, so look what 1 Timothy says. 1 Timothy says, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. The Bible says, he gave his life to purchase your freedom. You see that? Not only does Jesus' sacrifice cover over your sin and wash you clean, but it sets you free. And ultimately, that's Jesus' purpose, guys. That is, that is his purpose. Not just to, to clothe you with his blood, to wash you clean, to pay for your sins, but to set you free here in this life. Where you're not lo no longer bound by that sin, but you get a chance to live in freedom. So I've got two questions for you as we close. First one is this, am I a slave? That's a personal question that you have to, to ask yourself. Am I, am I a slave? Am I, am I bound by the sin in my life? If you're a Christian, the truth is you're no longer a slave. You just maybe don't realize that you've been set free. But if you're not a Christian, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never asked him to pay for your sins, then the reality is you're not living in freedom. You're living in bondage and slavery. Because Jesus says this in John 8, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Maybe today is the day that you need to change that. Maybe today is the day that you need to give your life to Jesus and ask him. Say, I, I'm just asking you for forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. I want to I live my life for you. It's as simple as that. The Bible says when you confess that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved and washed clean. You're no longer a slave. Maybe today is the day that you need to do that. Maybe some people in this room, and I want to offer that invitation to you here in just a moment. But I know that a lot of us in this room are Christians. So I have a question for you, and it's this. Am I living in my purchased freedom? Not my man-made freedom. Not my hard-worked-for freedom, but my purchased freedom. And you didn't pay for it. God paid for it with his son which means that your freedom is so valuable. And my biggest question for you is what are you doing with that? Look what Galatians chapter five says. And I'll end with this. The Bible says, so Christ has truly set us free. 
So it isn't fake. It's not temporary. He set us truly free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Is that your life? Even as a Christian, do you find yourself like saying, Jesus, thank you for everything you did for me. But you know what? I'm going to put those chains back on, right? We find ourselves day after day doing that, don't we? We, we jump back into that sin. We jump back into that way of life, that thing that we can't ever, can't ever get, get out of our, our system. The Bible says that sin that so easily entangles us. Man, every day you get up and you say, you know what? I'm going to win this day. Today is going to be the day. Things are going to be different in my life. And what happens by 8 a.m.? You know, like you've already sinned. And you've already jumped back into that sin. And a lot of times it's because we, we, we let sin captivate us again, take us captive. My question is, is, is this. Are you living in your purchased freedom? What does that look like? It looks like you say, you know what, sin, you have no control over me anymore. Jesus is my master, and I'm going to live for him. Will you mess up? Yeah. But every day we got to get up and say, you know what, I'm going to live for you, Jesus. Not because you're good, not because the Bible tells me to, not because my parents do that or my friends do that. No, because you died for me. You purchased me with your life. I hope that shows your worth. Hope it, I hope it causes you to live for him every single day. It's important to understand all about what Jesus done, has done for us, covering us with his blood, but also setting us free. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for helping us maybe to understand a little bit a little bit more of the complete concept of the Bible and this whole thing about the sacrificial system. And it, I mean, it's confusing for me sometimes. But you set it up that way because you want us to see just how serious our sin is. It costs a life. And ultimately, it costs your son's life. And you love us so much that you would send your son to die for us. But the most amazing thing is that Jesus is not dead. He rose from the grave to show that he conquered sin and death on our behalf. He says, you know what? I've offered this sacrifice for us. We would just believe and trust. So God, I pray for anyone in this room who would say, you know what? I'm still a slave to sin. It's my master. I can't give it up. I pray, God, through the Holy Spirit that you would convict them today and you would save them. They would come and talk to one of us. They would come and find somebody that they would, they would give their life to you and let, let it be known and let it be public. And God, that you would break the bonds in their life and change them. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus and yet we love to put those chains back on. Those things that we feel like we can find joy in or comfort in yet they always leave us empty and hollow. And it's sad that we would go back to our former master. When Jesus, you set us free. So God, I pray you'd help us to live in that freedom, to go and live for you every single day, to follow you, to tell other people about you, that you would be our master and not sin. Help us, God, to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey, they're just finishing up service in there and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember as we go out into the world that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.